0: Hi, welcome to Around the Corner, co-host Ben Wager, along with Don Gibson, and as you know, we are talking movies uh, from 1965 to 1975, and this is a special year, 1972, it was an amazing year in movies, with some amazing movies that came out. Uh, but we, neither one of us picked one of those amazing movies. Uh, although it could be argued that uh, there's some, there's some uh, strong points to the movies we picked, but they weren't the super marquee 72 movie uh, listing that you would expect maybe from this, this year. Although both movies have uh, longevity and they have legacy, but let's, let's go ahead and start by, uh, Don, introducing your movie.
1: Yeah, the film that I selected is, uh, is a, a real favorite of mine. And it's not a Hollywood film. I think, well, we've done one non, we did a British film before, pretty well been in American. Uh, this is a, a film by a German director named uh, Werner Herzog. Um, and the film's called Aguirre, Wrath of God. Uh, it uh, did quite well. Uh, it had a great uh, critical acclaim. It won the best uh, Oscar that year for uh, best foreign picture. Um, he's considered an example of new German cinema. Uh, the Germans were really strong in cinema, definitely in the early going in the 20s and 30s. And, and then uh, the war kind of messed them up and uh, their whole industry was thrown uh, akimbo. And uh, in the mid 60s, they started coming back with guys like Fassbinder and Wim Wenders and Herzog was one of these guys. Um, Herzog's known for making films, you know, his own way. Um, this is one of a couple of films that he made in the jungle. So this was shot in Peru. Um, he then shot another film called Fitzcarraldo a few years later, also in the jungle, uh, fairly nearby also in Peru. Um, and it's, it's historically, it's really interesting. It's about a guy named uh, Don Lope Aguirre, uh, who was part of an expedition uh, to find El Dorado, the mythical city of gold. And uh, it's, Herzog is really well known for, you know, taking pieces of history or things that are real. He also did a Dracula film, Nosferatu. And he changes them all he's very creative with his uh, artistic license. And so this isn't really what happened, um, uh, but it's, it's, it's a sort of mythical creative look at a search for El Dorado. So we know right from the beginning, obviously it's gonna fail because there is no El Dorado. And um, that sort of feeling of, you know, inevitable disaster is, is sort of the tone of the film. Uh, one of the so you you've mentioned a couple of times of seeing films you remember really seeing the first time very well and this is one of those films for me um it was when I was older and you know I maybe early mid-20s and I just saw this film on a little black and white television set and I was sort of stunned by it I just couldn't understand what it was all about and what is this crazy film about all these conquistadors and it's fascinating because they're all in full you know uh, regalia and they're they have a, a, a woman that's representing the, 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 the kingdom of Spain and she's brought down in a, in, in, um, in a, in a carriage. And it's crazy because they're in the middle of a jungle. Um, and so there's that sort of opulence that's set in the background against this raw jungle. Uh, the opening sequence is absolutely gorgeous. It's just this long shot of them descending the Andes out of the mist. And then we can see this long train of um, you know, uh, local people, Incas that are working as slaves and then the conquistadors they're descending through this uh, mist down into the jungle. And there's this haunting score played by this uh, band named Popovu, uh, which is the band's named on some, uh, it's a, a god it's based from, and it's very haunting music. And the, the film also ends with a really haunting scene, very similar long shot, haunting music. And we, you know, we see, you know, the expedition doesn't end so well. Um, so the, the film is fascinating for many ways. It's like, it's just a great film to watch because it's, it's a pretty interesting story of, of conquistadors that lost the jungle. And then, you know, they're, they're dying and they're being chased by by uh, the local people. And um, and there's obviously major dissension amongst them. They you know, they, the, the 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 actual expedition is supposed to keep looking. And then they realize, you know, 10 days into their expedition. This is a disaster. They should probably go back. And so they send a smaller expedition led by Aguirre. The larger one was read, led by a, name, by a guy named Pizarro. And he leads a small expedition. They go out in these rafts. And this scene is one of the great scenes as well, because there's like three rafts, so they're going down. They're really on a tributary of the Amazon. And it's a really tumultuous uh, a river with really large currents and going over you know rocks and there's all sorts of, you know, it's, it's a pretty scary scene and, uh, there was no it, Herzog is known for shooting things just on the way he wants to shoot them. So in terms of security, um, if the rafts had flipped or anything happened, these people would be a lot of trouble because they're all wearing really heavy clothing. They're all wearing armor. No one has. There's no safety gear. There's no safety boats following them. And so when you watch a scene and you see them, they all look pretty terrified. You know they're you know the characters are worried about going in the jungle, but the actors are actually terrified as well because they if. their lives are in mortal danger and but a Herzog liked that stuff he's like yes I want to get mortal danger on the face of my characters so um that's a really effective scene um I like
0: the, you know I like I like the the there was a lot of interest that I mean definitely you're right the movie had a a a Hollywood non kind of anti-Hollywood kind of thing to it you know it was it was obviously shot you know in a very economically efficient way um shoestring yeah, shoestring, and um, you know, I read that they uh, they shot the whole thing in sequence as well because you know they didn't really have um, a lot of other options, and uh, you know, there's a lot of interesting backstory to the, the you know, it's almost the it would have been very interesting to see a documentary on the making of this movie, you know, as a separate movie, you know, because there is a there is a huge amount of um, you know, I mean, understanding the history of this, you know, Pizarro, who was you know the essentially the most, one of the most successful conquistadors, uh, you know, I mean, when we think about the conquering of, of, of the new world, you know, Cortez, and then it goes Pizarro, because he, he conquered the entire Inca empire with about 127 guys, you know, I mean, it was stunning what he was able to do, and um, and his success, and this little side story is very, it's, a, it's an interesting little side story, because it's, you know, it, it shows the, the, I think it showed a, in a, a very realistic way the struggles that these these people were under, because I mean, essentially, you know, all of these, all of these men are driven by, you know, profit. There's no, there's nothing else that these men, these men joined this as as the uh, conquistadors to, to profit, because most of them were ex-soldiers who had fought in Spain during, against the um, Um, the the Muslims essentially to retake Spain. And when that war ended, they had all these soldiers and they didn't have anything to do with them, what to do with them. So that, you know, a big part of this, this new world exploration was to, you know, put these guys on ships and send them over to the new world and see what happens. Because that was, you know, they didn't have a lot of other options. They were all, you know, looking for, you know, more opportunities to uh, do their career, which was you know fighting for the most part, and so you know they were driven by profit, and that you see you kind of see the 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 motivation of a lot of the characters based on this idea of like okay you're the leader, but man if you, if you can't get us where well, we need to go or you know the allegiances were, were quick to switch. You know it was very interesting how uh, Aguirre you know he had a very good understanding of the motivation and the pulse of the men that he was with, much better. Than uh, the other guy, who he uh,
1: the
0: who Ursua, was, well, Ursua. He was the commander of the initial break off Pizarro of ordered, right? And he was of noble blood, and and um, and so you know, uh, Aguirre saw the opportunity to kind of you know mutiny and and take over the the leadership when. Um, Ursua lost confidence in his decision making and there was a lot of hiccups with what was happening and the loss of the rafts and you know all the the struggles and so uh you know and and it it kind of reminded me almost a little bit of the way that Klaus Kinski the the man who played Aguirre, the the lead of the he was playing it like the the Richard III character in Shakespeare you know
1: totally was yeah
0: you know and a lot of go ahead
1: and in terms of the, the analysis of the time, uh, in terms of what you're talking about, the sort of the motivation of the people and the, and the sort of political environment, a lot of people think that this was a metaphor actually for the rise of Hitler. And so the group was sort of lost and they didn't know what they're doing. They had their, their motivation was, you know, they didn't know where they were going. And, and the, the only reason they were there was to find the city of gold. And uh, when they're being reasonable, saying, you know what, maybe this is not going to work, we should go back. They just were, we have to go. And Agira uses, you know, fear and violence to make, to, to, he, he kills a couple of key people and says, who's with us? And if you're with us, great. If you're not, we're going to kill you. And that was all there was to it. And so everyone went along with them. They were hoping for the city of gold. There's always these references, soon will be there. But eventually you can see everyone's thinking this is not working out. And that same people were talking about it, 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 mostly the Germans in their analysis of this, they were saying, it's the same thing. We were promised all this stuff. And we believe in the beginning, we're thinking, this is great. And then further going down, you're realizing, what did we do? We just gave control of our lives to a madman. So a lot of people think it's just sort of political allegory.
0: You know, and I, I could see that. Um, but, you know, it's funny. I thought of it more as because it was filmed in, in you know the early 70s. I connected very much to the, and being in the jungle to the realities of Vietnam. And and you know the the ideas of, of the Vietnam War and and that these young these men are are kind of you know cajoled into going there for the ideology of uh, you know we have to stop the spread of communism and you have to fight for you know this is a threat to America and da da da, da. and then when they get there they're like these people don't give a shit. they don't care about us at all and they just want to live and and we're you know we're stuck here trying to fight this enemy that we can't really identify that are in the jungle and it was just very similar to the Indians and the arrows and just kind of ambushing them all the time and and everybody's kind of clueless and they don't really understand the goal anymore it was like this mythical thing you know fight communism stop the spread but then it just turned Vietnam just turned into this horrible situation that never really worked out and it very much connected to that and you know as as you probably know you know um when we look at some some films that came shortly after this um Apocalypse Now was the You know, the motivation of a lot of the style of apocalypse now supposedly was influenced by, you know, Aquarius, the wrath of God.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's just generally it's the idea of the, you know, the the colonial mentality of we're strong and we have, you know, we have some sort of technology and we're just going to overpower whoever we show up against. And, you know, historically that worked. Uh, I mean, as you said, they destroyed both the Aztecs and the Inca empires pretty easily with a lot of subterfuge and, and they were really good at doing it and I but eventually I mean when we look at it at the lens from today and we look back at all these things we we're how misguided the the thinking is um but and that's why I like the story so much because it's a very simple story um and you kind of figure out pretty quickly this is going to go really badly but it's really kind of entrancing the imagery uh lots of really great scenes lots of a lot of stuff about the uh, the church is a very strong representation in this film there's a priest that's part of it you think he's going to have good moral guidance he, he gives basically nothing and um it's just a good sort of allegory for the way you know society works or is misguided um you did mention about a documentary there was a documentary specifically made about this film but there was a documentary called my best fiend which is a documentary about the relationship between Herzog and uh Klaus Kinski he made five films with him and Klaus Kinski is a in incredibly intense person and his their relationship is you know there's, there's a rumor on on the set that Kinski was going to leave and Herzog held a rifle to his head and said if you leave I'm gonna shoot you in the head and you know, a lot of this is mythic but that whole relationship people love talking about and that, that's a great film in itself my best fiend all about their background
0: yeah I you know I read some things about Klaus Kinski and you know he he, he was a twisted bastard it sounds like you know I mean and warner warner you know harnessed that you know, because he would uh he they had they actually had one of the con- big conflicts they had in the movie was how to play Aguirre, right because um uh, warner warner wanted him to be the way he is in the movie where it's kind of like he's you know, he's, he's got this weird, wiry energy, but it's kind of low key in, 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 behind the scenes a little bit, like trying to manipulate things through others. I I want to make this, this big fat Lord do the new commander, you know, and, and then manipulate through that, you know, he was always looking for opportunities to make sure things are getting done, but he didn't want to be the face all the time of everything. And, and so that low key kind of uh, uh, sneaky energy that, that he ended up playing wasn't what Klaus wanted to do. Klaus wanted to be like this raging maniac, right? Probably more the Hitler, you know, stereotype. And, and there was huge conflict on the set because you know you know Klaus was constantly said, no, no, I want to play it this way. And so uh, apparently Warner would just enrage him purposely before every shot, just to get all that energy out. And then after he kind of calmed down, he'd shoot the next scene with him. And so he yeah. was manipulating his emotions. And it was horrible for the rest of the cast because the rest of the cast was suffering because I mean he was physically abusive, verbally abusive, total psychopath, right. do yeah. the whole thing. And apparently, I mean, throughout his life, the guy was, you know, um, accused of, of, of being a sexual molester of his own children. And I mean, he's got a, a horrible history. His legacy is just... It's destructively bad, yeah.
1: and he's he's not super well known in American culture. He's very well known in German culture. He's one of their you know he was a great film star and stage star from the 50s through the 70s, um, uh, and and so he was like you talked about the shoestring budget. He he his salary was like a third of their budget. Everyone right. else was a no name. A lot of natives were hired, and and the major portion was him. And uh and it is the first time that, that Herzog worked with him, and so it's it, it really interesting how their dynamic started and. And and a lot of people think that Kinski resented Herzog because this film did very well critically and financially. And it kind of made Klaus Kinski's name in North America. And a lot of people were sort of like, oh, you're in Herzog's film. And he kind of thought it was his film. And he was quite a self-centered, difficult person to work with, so.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it sounds, no, it sounds. And then, you know, I never really, I mean, I didn't understand uh, the last scene with the monkeys. Yeah, well. Do you, do you have anything that you can share about that perspective? The idea is,
1: I mean, actually, that's been sort of played with. The Simpsons did a variation of that that scene uh, years ago. The idea is he's left alone, everyone's dead, and he's now the emperor of a uh, Kingdom of monkeys.
0: Is that what it is? It's just like a very literal, he's the king of the yeah, Mondays. And it's,
1: Herzog is really, you know, moving into the candidate. The candidate has a very open-ended ending as well, I mean, you know, it's not as open ended, but it's just this idea of what happened next. What happens next? And it seems pretty clear. He's alone in the jungle. He's around a bunch of monkeys, so he's probably going to die. Um, but the idea and where do the monkeys come from? We have no clue. There's like 300 monkeys suddenly on the raft, and then he's chasing them all around. He's grabbing them, and it's it's, it's once again, it's sort of a figurative or metaphorical. Yeah,
0: know, yeah. Thing. I yeah. think they got a good deal on monkeys. I don't know, but um. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, o- overall, you know, I. I it was a. It's an acquired taste. Aguirre, Wrath of God. You know, because when I, I first watched it, I was like, yeah, you know. Uh, but as I as I've digested it over over the few days, it's actually you know it does stick to you a little bit. You still yeah. you get you get a little bit more. It's a thinker, so you're you know after yep. you're watching it for a while, you you do it just stays with you a little bit. So that's kind of how I left it. I, I I enjoyed I enjoyed it more after it was over than the actual during the movie. <laughs>
1: Fair so. enough. Well, it's a film, you know, you definitely don't want to watch late at night. It's quite slow at times. There's moments that are pretty good, but it, you're, if you're going to watch it starting 11 o'clock, you're in trouble. Um, but I've watched it, you know, 25 plus times. And yeah. so I love it. I, I, I it's, it's definitely a film that when you see it two, three more times, you're like, oh, what's going on here? And it's all the stuff starts to reveal itself. But uh, yeah, it's
0: got to be in the rotation, does it? Yeah. Oh, yeah 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 all right well that's good i think you know overall it was a worthy movie to watch and talk about and i think we we covered it quite well uh moving on to more of a mainstream movie i picked the candidate which is a movie um uh starring robert redford and uh the director i believe was a guy named uh what's his last name richie
1: yeah michael richie
0: michael richie yeah uh, and, it, you know, it's a, it's an, it, I picked it mostly because, you know, last week we were in a, the ma- a major election and I thought it would be interesting, kind of a, a topical movie. Uh, um, and uh, the, the, the interesting thing is, you know, you really see um, the machine of politics is a big part of this movie. You know, it's really showing you how, you know, regardless of who the candidate is, there's a machine and there's a role and, and you are a piece in this, in this machine and you're going to be built into this thing that they want you to be, so that you know you will match this uh, premise of, of what they want elected. And it was a time in our country with with television and and uh, more visualization of of of, of the poli- of the politicians that we're seeing that that machine has to, you know, it's looking for a good looking kind of of that Robert Redford look. You know, which interesting enough is still you know we see that a lot even more obviously because you know people are more sensitive. But the idea of this movie is is that Robert Redford's a you know a, a young do gooder, uh, you know social reformer, works in a you know a, a, like a community law clinic to help you know the, those who need um, representation, social justice, you know crusader. Type And, you know, but his father was a major player. His father was uh, the governor of, of California. And so he has this name legacy. And so, you know, this campaign manager who had just lost an election, he's looking for that next big thing. And he manufactures this whole Senate race based around the character's name is Bill McKay. And, um, and he bait, and then they, cr- and he basically, you know, he sells McKay on, and he's reluctant at first. Robert Redford's character, Bill McKay, he's like, you know what? Why would I be this person? Not that's not me. That's not who I am. And um, and the guy who plays the campaign manager is, um, uh, what what's it, is it uh, I was Peter? Is it Peter? Um, Peter Boyle. Peter Boyle, who uh, is a a great actor who's been around forever. He was. Um, uh, if you've seen Everybody Loves Raymond, he was the, uh, Everybody Loves Raymond, he was the dad uh, in Everybody Loves Raymond, which, you know, was basically his most identifiable role uh, in the later part of his life. But he was also in a lot of, he was in a lot of supporting roles in movies. Uh, um, one of his more famous movies in the 70s, besides this, was Young Frankenstein. He played Frankenstein. He played Frankenstein. And, uh, but he's a very good actor. And this was at the prime of his career. And he plays the campaign manager. And, you know, he, he, is a, he has a very pragmatic view about everything, you know, and so, you know, he, he, he's, he, he's done it so many times, he knows what to say, and he knows how to motivate people to get to do things that they're hesitant to do, and he, he starts, you know, we see Robert Redford's character kind of having to compromise more than he wants to, and he's fighting with that within himself. And, you know, he wants to have these conversations with the campaign manager in private, all the, in these weird, strange places throughout the movie, you know, where they just kind of, I need to talk to you. And then they're inside like a the cockpit of an airplane or in the in the elevator with some service elevator with some, you know, hotel guy going, you can't be here, you know. And it's just always these weird little places where they're having these very serious conversations about the campaign. And, and the idea is, is that, you know, he kind of he fights to to not be put into this role that is going to allow him to win but then in the end he puts himself mm-hmm. in this role that allows him to win and then he's kind of lost himself and he and he's and he's, he doesn't even know who he is anymore and once this objective is achieved as you said at the end of the movie he goes he looks at the guy and he goes what what do we do now you know because he's so lost in this process that i feel like he he, he can't he he doesn't know what the next step is and and the irony is that if we showed that that if they had like the candidate two or whatever politician, the, the the sequel to this movie, we'd see this guy who has taken probably embraced this role and he knew exactly, you know, and he and he evolved into this this you know professional politician, which is you know what we see a lot now in, in our political discourses. So it's an interesting evolution of a of a you know a do-gooding type person that turns into this. Um, into this figure that is is uh, the machine of politics turned him into, and um, I, and it's dated because now it's you know it's a lot. I think it's a lot more evil and it's a lot more manipulative than than back then. But you definitely saw how the machine was being created in, uh, and you know, and on the East Coast, it's much more developed. But on the West Coast, it was more uh, of something that was new to people, I think, and so. Uh, or it was a different type of machine anyway i thought the movie was interesting i liked the movie i mean i might have been looking i've never seen it before this is the first time i've seen it but looking back at it i i i could see that you know it, it's 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 a the game has changed and it's 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 much more of a big time thing and uh i don't know if this would hold up uh as much
1: yeah it's interesting because i think you're right that's trying to portray politics as you know as you say, you have a guy that really wants to do the right thing and he probably would be very good at representing people's points of view, you know, especially people that need it. Um, but there's a real naivete when you look at it 50 years later and you know, we've, we sort of, you know, we've been through four years of Trump and it's not just Trump. I mean, you look at the Mitch McConnell Senate race and Lindsey Graham the, the, and also the, you know, the, the Bush uh, Dukakis uh, 88 campaign, there was a lot of I mean talk about manipulation and, and use of media and 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 they, they do all that they focus on okay we're gonna we're gonna do this sound bite with you and there's a scene where he's actually helping uh, some women in a, in a, in a
0: housing a clinic center. like a public clinic
1: yeah and, and, they, and they don't want his help and they're like what do you want here you know there's two or three black women and him and there's this awkward moment and we're like, and they're trying okay we're not gonna use that we're gonna use other stuff and and we're like, okay. I mean, you know, this is the polit- the manipulation of political campaigns has become an awful lot more insidious and uh, sophisticated than what they're portraying here. But the definitely, as you said, the same sort of feeling of what the political world is like. You know, the guy he's running at this incumbent governor who is just Mr. Slick and you know there's a forest fire. He shows up ten minutes later in a helicopter and he does the press conference and he promises aid and he leaves and he's he's this well oiled machine and he's shown as like the you know the the system that, that you will never be broken. Uh, but the funny thing here is, you know, we as you said we have people like that McConnell and, and, and Lindsey Graham that people went in to change it and they still got destroyed by fifteen percent. And even though campaign had forty million dollars behind it and so there's a naivete that if you just get the right campaign manager and you know how to manipulate things you'll bring down the you know the evil guy that's been there for too long
0: yeah i think you know i mean it's, it's not just a republic thing i think it's also a democrat thing i mean it's you know in our country now the way things work is you know most political races aren't even competitive because they've gerrymandered the the boundaries and the senate races are different uh, because it's a statewide race and this was a senate race um by the way and, um and so it's it's set up a little differently because they've got a but I mean the idea of um you know the machine backing the candidate uh it, you know it you can't run these things if you don't have that machine behind you because you know the yeah. money right now is you know it costs you know tens of right. millions of dollars to to run a uh, uh, a house of Representatives campaign but You know, it can be $100 million for a Senate campaign now, especially in a larger state and, you know, and the presidency is a couple billion dollar kind of thing now and it's just great, you know, the money that's involved. And you see that a little bit in this, um, because you know he has to go to these fundraisers he's got to pretend to kind of be this other person and sometimes he goes off script and all of his his handlers just wince. And usually it works for him because he's, you know, he's so charming and handsome and he can play it off but. You know, they, a lot of, they get upset because he's, why did he say that? You know, that, and he was just being real. He was like showing him his his previous real self, you know, and they're like pissed off that he he even would dare to do that, you know? And a lot of times, you know, he was saved because of some situation, like his father swoops in and decides to endorse him. And that saves him after a debate where he kind of went off the script and and gave the other guy a lot of opportunities to, uh, you know, kind of close out the debate. And, uh, you know, but you you see that when he tries to show his real self, everybody gets upset. And so when he plays the role, he's, and he's going down the right path that was predestined by this machine, you know, then the success, he feels that success and it kind of tampers down a little bit more of him being real every time.
1: Well, one thing I found quite interesting in this film was the portrayal of his wife and his relationship with his wife. Because in the beginning we see her and she seems to be pretty you know she's artistic she's a photographer we see her doing that that kind of vanishes pretty quickly and she and then when she hears that he can run for senate she kind of she comes across as oh hey i could move to washington and be a senator's wife and she sort of gets into that and then their relationship sort of is there's moments with his passion but otherwise he's just busy doing what he's doing and there's this really odd scene where he you know they're looking for him and then and then if they, we're going down the hotel hallway and then like a campaign woman working the campaign comes out of the hotel room and he comes out five seconds later. So it's pretty, it's definitely implied that they were off, you know. Oh
0: you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. He had an affair. Yeah, that was definitely, yeah. that, was, that was. not
1: developed yeah. at all. It was just that scene. And then we're moving on and like, okay, that was just something that happened. It was sort yes. of Well, like, I
0: mean, in the, the guys waiting in the, in the room for him, they're talking about it. Like they they they're kind of pl- they're t- you know they're kind of like, oh he's got he's he's you know he's not available right now you know because remember they say oh you know his his car is running late and some woman goes no he's in the hotel and then you know some yeah, yeah no, and totally. then you know
1: I thought, I thought that whole thing was really interesting because they just and that, that but that character we don't really see her again it was just you know he's she, on the we road see, now
0: You see her periodically there's like these little glimpses of attractiveness you know it, it develops a little bit at the beginning you know, she's kind of he had her longingly kind of thing. And she's, she's around the handlers at, you know, at certain events, she's definitely around, but, you know, and it's the funny thing is, is that, you know, that's happening so much and, you know, because Kennedy was, you know, that was Kennedy kind of blew that up because he was like a woman's man, you know, and there was all these, you know, affairs, but I mean, every, you know, everybody, everybody knows these guys were all playing around and, you know, the more, the television era shows up, and the more the media has access, then we, you know, Clinton gets caught, and you know, there's so many, there's yeah. there's so many, you know. I mean, then now it's like, oh, I fucked a porn yeah. star and paid him off, you know, whatever. You know, Trump is like broken the just taking that down, you know, and so it's so funny that it's it's now it's, I mean, it's Trump is horrible, you know, obviously. Some people, and you know, probably both of us, would say that he wasn't what we consider to be the role model for children as a president. You know, I want my kid to be the next president, but not that president. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, definitely. I just, in terms of the film, I was really interesting how they just underplayed it. It was just like there, and it wasn't really part of the narrative. It just happened, and then we moved on to something else. It's part um, of the,
0: it's part of the business, you know. They just of the kind of said, that's just part of the game. You
1: know? Yeah, and so in it, terms so. of his portrayal. I see so much Robert Kennedy and the way they portrayed him, being yeah. a man of the people, an attractive guy, you know, very sharp and charming, and you know, meeting people and everyone, you know, all the young girls wanting him to sign their bodies oh, yeah, yeah. and and the the hysteria at at, at the, the press conference, the the press event, the political events later on, and there's a there's a the big there's a big one where there's he's surrounded by when he's making a speech and it looks I could you know this was done in '72 and Kennedy was killed in '68 and it, for me, it just seemed like, man, that seems modeled exactly after what would what have happened if Kennedy wasn't killed and maybe, hey, he would have been in santa in in uh, in California. who knows what would have happened next? you
0: certainly you certainly got the sense like, is there gonna be some shooter at some point? <laughs> you know, it just it felt like that. But overall, you know, it's an interesting movie. It' certainly kind of it it, it kind of projects a little bit of the future of politics that you know because it wasn't you know even now today we're seeing all that stuff elevated to the 10th degree you know so uh it it did kind of give us you know when we look at it now it's almost like a history <laughs> yeah it's almost like a history movie about you know the what politics would become because now it's way past what that movie was trying and that movie was supposedly was satirical and, yeah. and you know and now we look at it and just go wow that's just like the you know it was well, like and, a documentary three, almost you know
1: and three years later uh all the president's men came out the portrayal of watergate which was not satirical it was like
0: oh a, yeah no that was
1: basic a- documentation of of you know the bernstein's you know you know the whole
0: Oh, yeah, no, it's a fantastic movie. Fantastic, uh, but it's... This- and, yeah. and also starring Robert Redford.
1: Starring Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. So yeah, this yeah. is like a precursor to an awful lot of political films that have followed, I
0: guess. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. And we see a lot more of the political uh, genre, you know, coming out of these uh, the early 70s and then, you know, and all the way up. But, you know, we still, every once in a while, we get these big blockbuster political movies that are still coming out. So I mean, yeah. definitely impacted the whole... Uh, future of filmmaking in in one area you know so so overall I'd say these were uh, two interesting movies we picked and uh, you know they were worth seeing again or seeing for the first time and definitely uh, you know I would I I would recommend both these movies to to people who are curious and risk takers and want to learn a little bit uh, about um, you know the various aspects of of different cinema or different times and so you know um, I I I was very satisfied and um i hear it yeah yeah i'm glad we i'm glad we explored these because it was easy to go to the godfather or a cabaret one of these big blowout movies from that time but you know we both took movies that were not necessarily the movie from 1972 you know yep so uh next i think we're going to go on to uh, 73 to 75 right that's good yeah all right well thanks uh for listening and don it was good seeing you again and i'll see you next Great time you. on the corner all right buddy Yep. bye-bye